Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that is changing the narrative around finance, business, and women. Your hosts are Shannon Peston, former banker, and Shauna Frederick, CFO on the go. They are the founders of the Finance Cafe and creators of the online business financial literacy program designed specifically for women entrepreneurs. As women entrepreneurs themselves with strong finance backgrounds, they have an understanding of the unique challenges and opportunities that women in business face. The conversations you will hear each week from diverse women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them will not only educate, but inspire. At the Finance Cafe, we support women entrepreneurs just like you to feel capable, confident, and connected, not just to your business and finances, but to each other. Thanks to the support of the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, part of the Government of Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Strategy that aims to increase women entrepreneurs' access to financing, talent, networks, and expertise, we are thrilled to bring you Season 2 of the Finance Cafe Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe Podcast. In this episode, I get to sit down with Indigenous woman entrepreneur, Marie Choquette, founder of Tomato Wheels, to talk about how she's creating a lifestyle brand, rethinking the wine space, and introducing Tomato Wheels Lambrusco. Building things in real time and learning as she goes, Marie believes that to be successful in today's marketing world, it comes down to three things, test and learn, take risks, and learn the shit out of your space. I can't wait to sit down with this entrepreneur who continues to inspire me with her passion and get her done attitude. Welcome, Moray. Shannon, thank you for inviting me to be part of this today. And I got to say, congratulations on this podcast and adding this to our ecosystem as a resource for women entrepreneurs. Thank you for that. And, you know, it is for women entrepreneurs and it's also about sharing and learning from one another. And in particular, a lot around like financial conversations, because we just haven't really had that kind of space to really explore our financial beliefs, how we're making money in our companies, the things that we wish we would have known. So that's what this podcast is all about. But Let's tell our audience just a little bit about you. I mean, I just continue to be so impressed by you, but tell us a little bit about the woman that is Marie Choquette and Tomato Wheels. My name is Marie Choquette. I am an Indigenous entrepreneur, and I am chatting with you today from the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I grew up in Saskatchewan. When I graduated high school, I went running for the big city lights of Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> for the last 15 years, I've lived kind of all over. I mean, Edmonton for a while and to the UK, then was in Calgary, Mexico, and now I've settled between Vancouver and Edmonton. My background is very much marketing and communications. I've worked in the tech space and the e-commerce space. I'm one of those really lucky people who found their passion intersects with work. And I think, you know, the through line for me is creativity. And I've always been very, very conscious to take on projects and roles where creativity got to play a big part of that. And for me, when I'm in that space, I'm very much in my element. Yeah. I mean, you are certainly one of the most creative people that I've ever met, which sort of takes you down this path of tomato wheels. So tell us a little bit about how you launched tomato wheels, how you started the company and where the company's moving to today. Cause I don't think what you thought you were going to be doing is necessarily how you started. 
Well, first of all, let me say thank you for that compliment. That is huge. (laughs) Wow. And yes, you're so right. This company has had many pivots. So let me start at the beginning. For me, this really started with my passion for being in the kitchen. Through this process, I've learned a thing or two about myself. And one of the biggest things I've learned is I'm not a great head chef in my own kitchen. You know, I love being in the kitchen. I love the experience of food and coming together and connecting over food. And what I discovered is like, I don't love kind of driving the cooking. I love creating the experience. So, which leads me always to say, I am a 10 out of 10 sous chef. And it took me a minute to get comfortable with that. That's kind of where the tomato wheels really started. And it's gone through many pivots and evolution. And it's been incredibly rewarding every step of the way. And I'll give you an example. When it started out, it was a spice company. I was granted a scholarship to go to Italy and cook with the David Chang. And it was a worldwide application process. And had it not been a spice company at that time, I wouldn't have got that opportunity. And then although it was canceled because of the pandemic, it was still extremely rewarding and led the business down to the next evolution. Every time the company evolved, we were really just leveling up to fill a gap in the market. I knew we wanted to be a company centered around food and fill a gap in the market, not just make another version of a product that was already being done well. Right. And, you know, and I love how you talk about the experience with David Ten and how everything happens for, you know, a reason. And I guess it's really sad that you didn't get to go and work with him because that would have been amazing, but still validation just of the entrepreneur that you are, the personal brand that you've built. And so today, tell me where the company is at. The company has taken another evolution from Kitchen Tools to the Lambrusco company. So Lambrusco is a sparkling red wine. And what I saw when I shot out of bed at 3am with this intuitive idea to launch a wine, there's a gap in the market right now in North America. For the market research I did, Lambrusco is sitting at where Prosecco was about eight to 10 years ago, where some people know about Prosecco, most don't. And then all of a sudden it blew up in North America. And now today, everybody knows and drinks Prosecco. That's where Lambrusco is. So Lambrusco is a product that is made from Emilia Romagna in Italy. It's a very small region. It is this beautiful, amazing, sparkling red wine that has a low ABV. And this is the product that is now tomato wheels that I'm bringing to the Alberta market in July of 2022. So where did this inspiration come from? So you've gone from spices then to doing kitchen tools and now to creating your own wine. So where was that inspiration? What sparked that in you that gave you that 3 a.m. wake up call that says, hey, this is this is where I'm taking the business. I laugh all the time at looking at, I've never taken this business too seriously, but I've always known there's been a purpose and a direction. It's intuitive driven project I've been working on because when the David Chan thing was canceled, I could have said, okay, I give up, this ends here. But there's always been something next and there's been so much ease and flow around that next step to take. And that's really where, you know, I have no idea where that I literally, I'm not joking when I say I woke up at 3 a.m. and started writing the business plan on the wine. 
you know, it helps that I spent many, many summers traveling through Italy. I was very familiar with Italy. So I have this idea, I have this business plan. And then it was just, okay, great. I know nothing about wine. Okay, where do I start doing the research? Through the research I started doing, the right people just dropped into my universe at the right time to ultimately finding an amazing partnership in Italy with a fourth generation vineyard who is very well versed in Lambrusco to creating our own under the Tomato Wheels label. Well, you are, I think, the queen of relationships too. So you're creative and you're really great at building relationships. Two things that are so incredibly important, uh, particularly when you're a trendsetter and you're seeing something that is going to be alive and well in a market well ahead of actual market timing. And so I would say you've always been an influencer. You follow your Instagram and you really showcase who you are as a human being, who you are as that 10 out of 10 sous chef, but also someone who's willing to try just about anything in the kitchen, including cooking testicles, which I mean, I did watch that reel and I... I'm glad I wasn't at your house that day. <laughs> True, you and me both. <laughs> but I have to say there's something about that personal brand in you. And we think about a business plan, especially as an influencer, trying to bring something new to market. So much is relying on you and building that personal brand. And that personal brand, as you, you mentioned earlier, you just sort of people just came into your universe. But a lot of that has to do with who you are, the relationships that you're building. So let's talk a little bit about how some of these people have shaped the relationships and even some of the, the ways that you're now able to go into the market. When Tomato Wheels started, like it was never, I think it really comes down to Shannon, how you're approaching it. You know, I never walked into this saying, I want to influence people in the kitchen and I'll call it out right now. Nobody should be influenced by my personal recipes. <laughs> As you, see, you know, the segment on my channel is off the menu and it's called that for a reason because I'm learning how to cook. And I think that's what was really interesting and probably intriguing for a lot of people watching my channel is I never tried to perfect something and then put it out there. Even when I was building the business, I was very transparent of, Hey, everybody watching, I'm about to build a business. I have no idea what I'm doing and what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to put it out there and, and continue to get feedback along the way. So even when I was launching those kitchen tools, you know, I was posting when I was testing different textiles and getting feedback from consumers who would potentially use this product and really building the business in real time and showing people behind the scenes. That translates too to the segment of me trying to learn how to cook. And yeah, sometimes I cook lamb tests taking on these big ventures, <laughs> which as you saw, I sometimes ends in disasters. <laughs> but I think it's really just about finding your personal authenticity and allowing people to see that because that's what makes it interesting. That's what keeps people engaged versus trying to perfect something and then, and then put it out. And that's kind of the approach I've taken with this whole process on social media. Yeah. And I really like what you said, sort of building the business in real time because I think that so many entrepreneurs are doing that without even realizing it. And you just sort of coined a term for me that really makes sense. Like it's just, you're, you're building it, you're testing your market, you're validating, you're doing all the things that we know are the ways to fail fast, you know, when on those things that aren't going to work, but also to accelerate quickly as well, because you are getting that immediate feedback. So you said you had a business plan, but also at the same time, you're, you know, you're kind of saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I think so much of this comes inherent in you. I think you're, you've got a lot of wisdom 
in you. Tell me just how important it has been for you to trust your gut. Oh my gosh, it's paramount. I feel like I'm very, very fortunate that I have such a strong intuition and always have since I was very young. And I didn't really understand it until my 20s because I was like, doesn't everybody live this way? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the more I tuned into that, the the easier life just became for me because any big decision that I make, I know immediately whether it's right or wrong. And a large part of that in my younger years, I understood it in terms of relationships. But now that's translated so quickly into business, just following that intuitive and gut feeling has led me here into where I am into what I'm building today. Yeah. And one of the things that I see in you, and I mean, obviously you and I have worked um, together in, in some ways, getting your business off the ground. And one of the things that I've always seen in you is this very confident feeling in that intuition that you have. Like, I see how much you trust your instincts. You trust the way something feels. And in many ways you're like, I'm just going for it. Like, I'm just going to keep putting it out there and going for it. So I want to talk about something else too, because we wouldn't be a finance podcast if we didn't bring in some of the money talk, but a lot of entrepreneurs when they're starting out, don't have a good sense of how much it's going to cost to go into business or how much they need to make in revenues. What was that process like for you? Did the finances come naturally to you? Was this something that you had to work at? Like what was your experience going into this? It comes down to three things for me. So one, trust my gut. We just kind of went through that. The second thing is get resourceful. And that's one of those things that I I learned how to do early on in my career that is now I've taken that on to building this business. The funding out there to the advisors out there to really just understanding what market I'm going into is getting resourceful and finding that information for myself. And then the third thing is educating myself, right? So I can, be having the same level of conversation at the table of someone, for example, in the future that I'm trying to pitch. I recently took an incredible course. It's called Class Rebel and it's fundraising 101. You know, in my perspective, I actually had no idea how fundraising worked. And, you know, from seed funding to series A, B, C, you know, when I learned all about convertible notes, safes, price round, valuation cap, what all of those things mean. And now it gave me a whole different world to play in and vocabulary to have when I am approaching these conversations in the future. You know, I love that. I mean, obviously for Shauna and I, when we started the finance cafe, it was one of the conversations that, you know, we had too, is that, you know, that confidence and like when we put the effort in, when we, when we do the work to understand the finances, it does open up a whole new world. Our confidence goes up, the trust that we have in the decisions that we make um, also go up, but people's faith in us also goes up. And and I know from being on the business advisor side of things, when I'm, when I'm looking at someone who I can see has demonstrated the willingness to learn the finances, I feel so much more confident in what they're going to put into their business all the time. Cause I know that they're constantly trying to be the best version of themselves and be the best entrepreneur that they can be. Where do you think your own money mindset has come from? What do you remember as being like an influential money moment for you? Speaking very honestly, it's an area I still struggle in. And you know this, you were holding my hand and I was basically in tears (laughs) trying to 
trying to figure out the spreadsheets, but it's such an important process to go through. And I know that, and I knew that in that moment. So, you know, I know as an entrepreneur, I have strong suits and then I have less strong suits, but being able to find and surround myself with people who know more in an area, right? Like you were paramount in walking me through that to better understand. I encourage people and in my own experience, it's surround yourself with people who can help, who know more in that area, because you're still going to need that information. And it's just a level of finding that to get comfortable until you can kind of grow your wings and fly in that specific area. Well, and I appreciate your vulnerability around that too, because I think money is one of those things that we often can feel really judged around if we don't understand the way it works or how our companies are making money. You know, there's a lot of, I think for a lot of women, there's a lot of shame or embarrassment around not knowing how it all comes together. But the reality is, unless you went to business school, you probably don't have these skills and so many women find themselves in entrepreneurship, never expecting it. So I love the advice of finding, you know, financial advisors that can help you and knowing what you're strong at and where your areas of growth are in the company, but particularly around the financial management side. I mean, we know that most businesses fail because of poor cash flow management. So thank you for, you know, just sharing your vulnerability there. And I have no doubt that you're going to continue to work on this as well. So let's talk about access to financial capital. And I want to talk a little bit about the program that you went through that was offered by NACA, which is the National Aboriginal Capital Corporation Association. Now, this is a specific program for Indigenous women entrepreneurs, but we know women entrepreneurs have difficulties accessing financial capital, but we also know that those barriers go up for Indigenous women. So how important was that financial program to you, Marie, in starting out? I mean, it was amazing to discover, you know, first realizing that I was a fit for the program, knowing I had a business that I wanted to grow, understanding that there is support for it was just absolutely incredible. And my goal with this is to hopefully inspire other Indigenous entrepreneurs to follow their dreams and really to help spread the word and information. This support is available to them. Thank you so much for that. And I know that like I said, access to capital is a big issue for anyone, but I think it's also just touching on the importance of microloans. Sometimes it's it's not always the big loans that women need. So to the financial institutions out there who are listening to the podcast as well, just really understanding the value that is there sitting in smaller microloans. Most women across this country start businesses with less than $7,000. So let's just talk about cash flow for a second. But when you think back about your journey and some of the questions that you had to ask yourself, do you recall any some of like some of the financial questions that you asked yourself when you were going through this process and, you know, before you hit the ground running, was there any sort of, you know, important questions that you asked? I think the biggest thing I had is, do I have the capital? You know, every time the business evolved and every time I was trying to fill a, a gap in the market, it was, okay, do I have the capital? And it was yes or no, whether I was taking it from my own savings. And if I didn't want to do that, it was like, okay, where can I then go find the resources to make this happen? So that's where it became really important for me to get resourceful and start doing my research, start having the conversation, start talking to different people. And, you know, the more and more I did the research, the more I found these incredible opportunities 
communities. NACA is one of them, but there's also the Powell Pitch in Canada. There's mm-hmm. also Futurepreneur, right? So it was, okay, great. I don't have the capital, but where am I going to find it? And, you know, when you have a vision, when you have a dream, that kind of energy and momentum to go and find it is there. So I'd encourage people that if they don't have it in their own back pocket, there is availability within Canada. You just got to do your research and, and get resourceful. Yeah, get resourceful. I love that. So let's think about two years down the road, five years. What does tomato wheels look like? Shannon, I am so glad you asked this question because <laughs> let me tell you. So I had a meeting with Costco Liquor last week oh. and it was it was a great conversation, mostly because they were like, listen, lady, <laughs> in order to get into Costco, you need to be in the top 10% of sales. Yeah. What that largely comes down to is volume. You're moving volume and you need to be at top 10% before Costco even takes you on. So what that means is people, consumers need to be educated on your product. When we ended the meeting, I was laughing and I was like, okay, you guys, I'll be chatting with you in 12 months. Because in two years, I my goal is to educate Canadians on Lambrusco, literally Lambrusco, be synonymous with the Tomato Wheels brand as this becomes more and more popular within the North American market. So in two years, where do I hope to be? I hope I'm knocking on Costco's doors and saying, hey, you need to be in 10%. Here I am at the top five. Let's talk. <laughs> And this is what I mean about your energy and your wisdom and just going and having these conversations. I mean, well done, well done you. Cause I don't know many people that would go directly to Costco before the products even landed in the country to say, Hey, how do I get on, on your shelves? But this is what I talk about, you know, earlier with you about the importance of building those relationships and making yourself known. But I love how, you know, that you have to educate the market to get this product out there. And as you said, if Prosecco can do it, so why can't Lambrusco and why can't you and tomato wheels be the one that change our opinions or our knowledge around this strength? So I do expect that you're going to have me over for Lambrusco and you'll even make a meal. I don't know. 1000%. And I promise it will not be lamb testicles. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Cause you'll, I'll send, certainly send my regrets on that one. So, you know, closing out, what words of advice do you have for other women entrepreneurs who might be looking at following their passion and starting a business from it? Yeah. I mean, if you feel excitement, if you feel the energy around an idea you have, you just need to start. The way I started was just having conversations, reaching out to people, doing my research, you know, with this wine, like I say, I had this intuitive idea. I wrote the business plan, but then I had to stop and be like, wow, Murray, you know, absolutely nothing about wine. And it was through the podcast that I started listening to that I started learning. And I actually heard a podcast called Juice Imports, Eric Mercier. He's from happened to be from Alberta. And I was like, oh my gosh, reached out to him. He then introduced me to Brad Royale, who I hired on the project because he's a sommelier. And it was just like one relationship led to the next to the next. And now I feel very educated on wine. And Brad has just been absolutely paramount through this entire project of launching this and, and guiding the ship. He's just, his palate and his knowledge of, of the wine industry was so vast. It's just about getting started and having those conversations. And once you do, 
doors, doors will open. Mm, well, I love how you've put every conversation out to the universe and you've just done it with, again, such confidence and such assertiveness. I want people to be able to see you building this business in real time. I want people to see the journey of tomato wheels and where you're taking this company and just get to know you, Marae, as well. So where can people find you? Find me on Instagram and Facebook at tomato wheels. Okay, perfect. And I will make sure that I put some of the show notes in there as well so that our listeners can be able to find you there. We'll list off some of the resources and just wishing you so much continued success. It's been such a privilege for me to watch you on this journey. And I just, I really can't wait to see where the future takes you, Marie. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your passion and your energy uh, with us at the Finance Cafe. And we wish you all the best. Thank you for having my back. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm here for you always. All right, everyone, we'll tune in next week for another episode of the Finance Cafe. We'll see you in a week. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. Want to dig deeper? As a valued listener, we'd love to offer you an exclusive discount to our financial literacy program. Use the code podcast10 to get 10% off. Visit thefinancecafe.ca to join or to take our free financial literacy quiz. We would be so grateful if you could show some love for your favorite financial podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you are listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. See you again next week on the Finance Cafe Podcast.